You can't change anything unless you're aware. And the first thing would be to become aware of the fact that you're not really spending any kind of quality time with each other. It does not have to be quantity. It has to be quality. So this is something I think you and I have discussed ad nauseum, (laughs) but, you know, a thing like setting up a date night once a week, even if it's only for 15 minutes, but the criteria is that in those 15 minutes, You're not talking about problems. You're not talking about the children. You're just spending time with each other. This week, we're going to talk about how couples can talk again. When couples divorce, one of the major reasons cited is that they were no longer talking with each other. What causes that and what can couples do to prevent it? Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. We're on top of the world everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationships and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Uh, you can find uh, information about Karen at her website, drkarensherman.com. Um, and today we're going to talk about, well, how to talk to each other. Um, I was looking at a study and it was uh, it was a little bit old, um, I think 2012 maybe, um, but the study looked at 886 individual divorcing parents. Um, of those divorcing parents, 53% cited that they were getting a divorce because they were, quote, not able to talk together. So this got me thinking that maybe we could help couples reconnect a little bit. So um, before we offer tips on ways couples can re-engage, what are some of the reasons that couples stop talking with each other? I think life gets in the way. You know, we've spoken about that concept in regard to losing the loving feelings and all, but I think it goes for this as well. So by that, I mean that you know, when you're first going out with each other, you're really focused on one another and you're really trying. You're putting your best foot forward. And then you make a commitment to each other and that's great. Um, But then we start taking each other for granted. Things happen. There's stress. There's children. There's uh, same old, same old. And little by little, you're just not connecting with each other, whether it be in the way you talk, whether uh, in affection towards each other, um, in appreciation. I think there are lots of different ways that couples um, disconnect, Mm -hmm. um, and certainly talking with each other is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that that stuck out to me on this, uh, and I'm curious your take, 
the survey sample uh, or the study sample was of divorcing parents, meaning mm-hmm. they had kids. Mm-hmm. Do you think the 53% is higher because, to your point about um, kind of drifting apart, the, the parents are more likely to turn energy and focus to kids because, oh, absolutely. They, because they need that attention? Yeah, absolutely. Well, not only do the children need that attention, but there's more people in the family, Mm -hmm. so you only have so many resources. And so you have to give a good portion of those resources to the children and not only just giving them, you know, their basic love and being cared for, but if they have difficulties in school, if there's some behavior problems, if the children are fighting. So there's lots of energy um, and lots of time that are given to children. And so I would say, yeah, you know, as much of a blessing as children are, they also do sap Mm -hmm. some energy from the relationship. Mm -hmm. And and what you were also describing about um, all the energy and time and stuff focused in the early part of the relationship, I think part of this gets into the way that we have mentally structured uh, marriages and relationships where all the stories and fairy tales um, end at the wedding, right? Like it's mm. happily ever after. <laughs> um, and one of the reasons why I started hitched was because, wait a second, what, what about the next 50 plus years? Mm-hmm. Like, what about those times? And so it seems like when you, when people finally find that person, um, and then they go through that stressful process of getting married, uh, not stress in the sense that you are making that commitment, but the stress of like throwing the biggest part of mm-hmm. your life, mm-hmm. um, it seems like then the dust settles and then you can finally settle and relax. And that's mm-hmm. when complacency begins to set in. And it's, it, I guess I take, I kind of look at it almost like if you, if you take the time to build some piece of furniture, um, and you put all this love and attention into it, and then you just set it in the room and let it go. Um, it's going to start collecting dust and cobwebs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like I you have yeah, it's yeah. a good analogy. You have to keep paying attention to it. You have to you wipe it off, use it, sit in it, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like the same thing uh, with relationships. Um, also, like working out, like you have to flex the muscle, otherwise it's going to start to atrophy. And I think that's mm-hmm. what happens with relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay, so a couple has been together for a while and they've drifted apart. Um, the number one reason, uh, in this study, by the way, 55% that w- was given by the couples that they had just drifted apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, they begin to pass each other in their home without having any real conversations, et cetera, et cetera. What is something couples can do to break that cycle where they dr- drift apart and then they stop communicating with each other and, um, you know, down the hill it goes. Okay, so obviously you can't change anything unless you're aware. And the first thing would be to become aware of the fact that you're not really spending any kind of quality time with each other. It does not have to be quantity. It has to be quality. So this is something I think you and I have discussed ad nauseum. (laughs) But, you know, a thing like setting up a date night once a week, even if it's only for 15 minutes. But the criteria is that in those 15 minutes, 
You're not talking about problems. You're not talking about the children. You're just spending time with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's any number of things that couples can do when you don't have to go out. And as I said, it can be as little as 15 minutes if it is quality, Mm. where you're really focused on each other and really trying to um, be aware of each other and make it a positive experience between the two of you. Um, so sorry to interrupt. And what, like what kind of things would be appropriate? Like when you're talking about quality, so obviously you're discussing focus and attention and Mm -hmm. and active listening and that sort of thing, but what kind of content are you discussing? So I'm, I'm, you know, it's not talking about the the problem that the kid is having in school as I'm guessing. Correct. Right. Correct. You're not talking about children. You're not talking about the bills that you have. You're not discussing problems. It is about something. The content has to do with something that feels pleasurable or enjoyable about the two of you. So you could dance for five minutes or 15 minutes. You could um, look at old photographs and, you know, bring back some very cherished memories. Um, you could, uh, have a pizza by candlelight, but at least it's just about the two of you. And if you have children, you may have to tell them that this is mommy daddy time Mm -hmm. and this is not a time where they can be interrupted. Now, if this is not something you've been doing all along, you may have to gradually get into it so the kids become accustomed to it Mm -hmm. where you do it for five minutes. And then once that goes okay, you build up to 10. But I think that it is basically the idea of paying attention to each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, and does it matter if you try, like basically try to force a conversation about Mm -hmm. something or make up a a random topic, uh, as an excuse to talk about something rather than something exciting happened in your day. So you naturally have something to discuss. It's a great question. And it's interesting. I'm working with a, a gentleman right now who, is thinking that he wants to get divorced and basically saying he just doesn't feel the love for his wife, whatever. And we've been struggling or he's been struggling with thinking in terms of trying to make things better because he sure can never change. And when we talked about um, acting in a positive way, he said, well, I I don't want to mislead her and I don't want to, you know, act false. Mm -hmm. There is an entire psychological concept or theory called as if. Mm -hmm. So you behave as if things are fine or the way you'd like them to be. Because we have research that indicates that when you make certain behavioral changes, what will follow are the emotional feelings. So that's, and we even use the expression, fake it till you make it. Right. And it works. Mm -hmm. So even if you have to plan your date night, and you know, a lot of people say, oh, we were going to do it and then this happened and then that happened. There's always going to be something that happens. Put it in your calendar. If you had a doctor's appointment or if you had an appointment to bring your car in for an oil change, you would make sure it gets done. So put it in your calendar and whether it be this, you know, mini date night or where you're going to sit down and, you know, talk and exchange ideas, you do it. It's Mm -hmm. in your calendar. And again, 
uh, to the point of this particular question, it does not matter that it's not coming naturally. You're making a shift which eventually will become more natural and um, will actually make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And uh, to steal one of your uh, phrases um, or philosophies, when you when you act as if in these mm-hmm. situations or fake it till you make it, um, you then get action reaction. Yes. Because when yes. you um, put forward your best foot and you smile or you grab your partner's hand and you begin to dance, they're probably going to engage with that. Um, Correct. And if you are sulking around the house and and throwing a fit and just being a downer, um, you're probably going to get that kind of response in return. Oh, absolutely. And not only are you going to get that kind of response, but we know that couples can read each other's energy from as much as 20 feet away from one another. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could say, well, I'm not saying anything bad, but if you are projecting a negative energy, your partner is going to react to that. It's going to pick that up and react to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Okay. So, um, there might be some so if if a couple has already gone down a path where they have or at least they feel like they're drifting apart and they're not mm-hmm. having a good open communication trying to crack that nut there might be some pent up emotions there mm-hmm. um, so when you do start this reengagement process what are some of the landmines that you can look out for okay so i think i would rather say if there has been a long time where, it, since you have connected, or if there have been a lot of emotions that have built up that are negative or resentful, the point to be more aware of is that those are landmines. And so if you can say, look, we really need to get back on track, you know, let's start with scheduling in 10 minutes where we talk and we just, you know, it's just about us. And if there are some emotions that are difficult um, or there are some pent up feelings, let's decide initially that we're not going to look at that. Because until you're feeling good about each other, um, those topics are not going to be handled well, which is why you call them landmines appropriately. Mm-hmm. So you can make a rule and say, for now, we're not going to address any of those. Now, as an example, I finally got this client to agree to have his wife come in and for us to start marital counseling. And she said, you know, that she wanted to. So we did some basic work, some very basic work. And when we ended the session, I said, okay, you two have really not talked with each other for a very long time. When we get off this session, I want you to talk to each other, but I only want you to discuss, you know, what you thought of the session, what you thought of me, what you thought of the sweater I'm wearing, you know, Mm -hmm. I said, and this is not because I want to make this about me and, you know, that I'm being egocentric. I want to just give you some topics to discuss that are neutral. Mm -hmm. When you discuss them, let's say you decide you discuss my sweater. 
if you don't like my sweater, then you can say, you know, here's what I didn't like. I didn't like the colors or whatever. But I want you to talk to each other and listen to each other and then maybe paraphrase what the other person has said and say, you know, did I get that right or whatever? Because I just wanted them to start tipping their, dipping their toes a little bit into the idea of conversing and sharing their thoughts or their perceptions without going to those landmines. Because if too early in the process, you open that up, it's going to turn south. It's going to go south very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. you want to keep it very, I guess, on the surface initially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. You you don't want to, um, going back to that muscle metaphor, you have to stretch a little bit or you're going to pull something. Right? Correct. So mm-hmm. you, you want to start off nice and easy, nice and slow, uh, a little jog before a sprint. Yes. Yes. I, I really like that analogy even better than the uh, furniture that you built <laughs> because I think it's it really fits very nicely. You know, oh, when you start to exercise, you're only supposed to be, do a little bit until you become accustomed to it. Yeah. So thank you're, you for that. Because you're going to get sore, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, that's what I do. I throw out a whole bunch of metaphors and one of them will work eventually. <laughs> um, okay. So we know that talking with another person means you have to learn how to listen. So that's the mm-hmm. other part of this communication thing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times we just think about like, oh, what can we talk about? And mm-hmm. you know, they don't have, they don't tell good stories. You have to know how to listen. So mm-hmm. um, you might realize that you have a lot to say, but you have to give your partner space to also yes. communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any tips on how to listen effectively? Well, this is going to sound so basic that it's almost embarrassing. You want to take turns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? Sure. You want to wait till your partner is done speaking. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, you can even say, you know, do you have anything more that you want to add? I had my best friend, may she rest in peace, um, spoke a lot slower than I did. And I had to learn to pace myself and listen at her rate of speech because otherwise I was cutting her off, Mm -hmm. which is typical for a New Yorker. Okay, (laughs) so your partner is talking and what you're listening. And you're listening because your task is going to be to paraphrase it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your task is not to rebuttal it, it you know, like, Oh, cause what can I say in answer to this? So how right. can I defend myself? Your task in listening is to really understand what they're saying. You don't have to agree with it, right? but you do have to understand it. So you say, you know, is there anything more you'd like to add as opposed to, are you finished yet? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> right. That's going to be annoying. Okay. So now your partner has finished. They say, yeah. And you say, okay, so this is what I, I think I heard you say. I want to make sure that I really, you know, got it. And now you put it in your own words. And the person who started the talk either says, yes, thank you. And that's very gratifying, mm-hmm. feeling that you've really been listened to. Right. Or you say, no, it's not quite what I meant. And maybe it's not quite what I meant because you didn't hear it correctly. Or I might not have explained myself well enough. Mm-hmm. But you go back and forth that way, and then you take turns. And, and little yeah. by little, you know, you get to really hear the other person. Yeah, I was going to just add uh, or highlight what you just said there about the fact that when you have that back and forth, 
And when you are listening as opposed to trying to rebut or whatnot and the person paraphrases back, you create that opportunity to where you can correct misinformation mm-hmm. or misinterpretation um, right. so that you don't go on assumptions down the road, which then lead to actual problems. Yes. And it all starts absolutely. at that paraphrasing part of yes. what you're describing. Yes. Very good point. And let me tell you, there are plenty of people who think they know what their partner said or absolutely knows them well enough to know what they're thinking mm-hmm. or makes assumptions about what they're thinking and then they act or react on it and it's totally off and that can really bring couples down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Can I uh, to add, I have two things to add. Um, mm-hmm. One, I'm going to do a little log rolling here. So a book that I uh, co-authored called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, in it, we describe... Um, a, a a trick for how to listen. And mm-hmm. it's an anagram of the word listen. You rearrange mm-hmm. the letters and it spells silent. Mm. So, and you can't listen without being silent. Yes. Um, so I think that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, the other thing is remove distractions. Mm. Because um, I find this more often today than I, and maybe I'm just more aware of it now, but I feel like smartphones um, Mm -hmm. in particular uh, will pull the attention away as you're trying to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so um, people will, not even the person who's supposed to be listening viewing their phone, which, which happens frequently, but the person talking will talk while they have their phone and they're kind of trying to hold a host a conversation, um, and also communicate with something on the phone. So Mm -hmm. I think we are not as good as we think we are in Mm -hmm. um, the multitasking when we're communicating like that. And on multiple occasions, um, I've, I've run into the situation where somebody will claim that they had said something to me when I know for a fact they didn't. And I think it's because they said it in their head, mm. but then got distracted by mm-hmm. whatever they were doing. And then the words never actually came out of their mouth mm. because they were carrying on multiple conversations simultaneously. So I think that's mm. another thing that people should just be aware of is if you're going to try to have a constructive and what you were describing earlier, a quality engagement interaction with uh, your partner, um, try to remove the distractions so that you're actually present with them um, and not bouncing all over the place. And, and, yes, you know, and we were describing that with the children, you know, you, you tell the kids like, Hey, I need, we need five minutes. We need 15 minutes. I feel like the same thing has to happen with the smartphone. Mm. If you're going to have that conversation with your spouse, you got to be comfortable telling your spouse, Hey, can, can you just put that away for like 15 minutes while we, you know, have our time. Yeah, you could make that agree. Besides which, that will allow for more eye contact. Right. And um, if you're if you're distracted and looking down at your phone, even if it's just for a moment to see who just texted, you're not looking at your partner. And there's a great amount of emotional intimacy that occurs by actually looking into mm-hmm. one another's eyes. Um, that's because the frontal lobe is situated behind the eyes. Mm. And among different um, uh, things that the frontal lobe does, one is connection. Mm. 
So making eye contact. Now, I do want to say one thing as a a little bit of a um, warning, so to speak. We know there are studies which indicate that men cannot um, maintain eye contact as long as a woman can. They Men cannot take too much of a stimulus occurring. So um, a man might look away or he might, you know, close his eyes for a moment. And that doesn't mean that he's not present. Mm. But certainly if you've got something like the TV on or the smartphone with you or whatever, and you can be distracted, that is really going to get in the way of making this connection. Yeah. And, and to the point about listening, I think a lot of people, uh, and and also going back to the fake it till you make it, you can just put the distractions away, look into the other person's eyes, stay silent, and they will assume you're listening, even if you're not like, that's how, (laughs) I mean, that's how powerful it is though. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so, uh, yeah, I, I don't recommend that, that you don't listen, but, uh, you, you know, just, just that's how powerful it is. And we also know that facial expressions in general, so much is communicated without oh. words. So, oh. by, you <laughs> Absolutely. know, yeah. so, so, um, yeah. So just keep that in mind as well. Another reason to put all the other distractions away if possible. Um, okay, Karen, it's that time of the show. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? You know, Steve, if you were really paying attention, you would have realized that I interjected those along the way. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to, I, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to, because I know our listeners were astutely listening to everything that you had said. So I don't need to, uh, re go through them again. Um, okay. so with that, we will, uh, we will wrap this one up. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. So if you enjoyed this brilliant information from Dr. Karen Sherman, you can uh, find this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also um, find the books that she has authored, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and uh, Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last, which she has co-authored. You can get this information on our website, hitchedmag.com, where we have thousands of articles, the complete podcast archive, over 600 episodes now. Kind of amazing uh, to think about that. Um, And uh, we have a free newsletter that goes out each Monday. Um, It uh, takes about two minutes, one minute to sign up, super fast. Uh, And we only send it out once a week, so it's not going to spam your folder or anything. And it'll keep you up to date on all the latest information we put out. So hopefully you check that out. Okay, that's going to do it. Until next time, take care, everybody. We're on top of the world too